Hello, my name is Maya Jones, and I am currently running for mayor of Detroit. Please share your Detroit background and relationship to Detroit, your history of being a Detroiter. So my Detroit background and relationship, um, I'm a born and raised Detroiter um, and educated here in Detroit as well. So I grew up on every side of Detroit, literally. So we moved around a lot when I was little, starting with like my young friends tell you I'm from Seven Mile and Van Dyke, where I went to elementary school there from K through um, six. And then I moved to the number streets on the west side when I was in seventh grade after my stepfather passed away and graduated from West Hamilton Cultural Academy, which is now an alternative school. Um, from there, I went to Cass Technical High School where I graduated and then went to Michigan State, came back to um, Detroit to make sure that I was actively involved. Currently, I'm completing my last class for my MBA at Wayne State and the Mike Ellis School of Business. So literally, again, born, raised in Detroit my entire life. I'm going to do a lot of activism work here in Detroit as well, making sure that people understand and know that people from Detroit can live out all of our dreams. Um, we have the opportunity to impact change, not only in Detroit, but outside of Detroit as well. Um, I know for me, I know it's not part of the question, but <laughs> um, I like to show, especially our youth and the people around around my age that it is possible to do so many things um, with our life because when I was younger, life was never spoken to me or into me. So I never knew just how smart and brilliant I was because I was always told or seen that, you know, black people wasn't good enough. We were lazy. We were dumb. And it's the images that we really seen on TV for the most part, unless you're watching like the Cosby show or the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So that's where I got all of my inspiration from mainly is just seeing these other images of black people and seeing like, oh, I can possibly be like this too. So when I graduated high school from Cass and went to college, that's where I really realized in the real world that black people don't get the proper, um, I don't know what you want to call it. We don't get the proper uh, recognition that we really deserve. We have made a lot of changes, not even now, but throughout history. But we don't learn that history. Um, and it's important that we do understand how impactful our people are. And that's why me as a young person, I make sure that I show and demonstrate to other young folks too. You don't have to wait to get involved. You don't have to wait for someone to give you or pass you a torch. You create your own change and your own impact right here, right now, when you're seven years old if you want to. So that's my Detroit background. Tell the story of what led you to run for office. Okay, so what led me to run for office? I honestly love telling this story because it's kind of like crazy because I never wanted to initially run for office. So growing up, um, when the current mayor was elected, I was in high school still. So, you know, we're in high school. We really don't know too much about anything that involves government because we don't really learn government too much, especially local politics when you're in high school. So I went to uh, Michigan State or before Michigan State, I was always involved in like community um, uh, activism, but I didn't know what it was. I knew that I grew up poor. Well, I said, when I get in a position to give back, I'm going to give back. So I joined this organization called Build On, and every volunteer opportunity that I had, I was out there giving back, doing the food drive. Um, you know, if I could donate stuff for Christmas, the little money I had, I did that. But whatever I could do to impact someone else's life, that's what I did when I was in high school because I knew what it felt like to be on the receiving end of the stick. So I wanted to give back. So when I went to college, my parents didn't graduate. My mom didn't graduate high school. Um, my dad did graduate high school. My dad is um, incarcerated right now. So he was inside and outside of the system. Didn't really grow up around him. So I literally figured everything out for myself. So when I went to Michigan State, um, that's where I realized that, like I said before, 
black people don't get the proper recognition because um, society just doesn't give it to us. So I see how the um, separation between the white students and the black students and the students of color, how the resources were different. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, why is it that when it comes to resources for black students or students of color, we don't receive them? People who know me know I got a loud mouth. So I was always in school with the VPs and the presidents like, no, we need this. No, we need that. This policy has to be changed or this needs to change for us because we have to graduate from college. We don't just come here to give you our money. You have to figure out how you can help us graduate because we are disproportionately impacted by oppression and all these systematic things that really keep us down. So that's how my activism started is from seeing the disproportionate um, resources from black students to white students in college, not how we didn't graduate at the same rates as they did. So for me, it was like, okay, what policies in school right now can I help change so that we can actually get the resources? So one of my mentors, um, she's a Delta. I'm a Delta now too. This is before I was a Delta. She told me, like, Maya, like, you do so much social activism. You know, Deltas, we were really big on social activism. You should go to the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation for a summer internship. Mind you, I'm a business student. I was like, you know, I don't really do politics. I do my activism work and, you know, I, I make sure we have resources, but politics is not really my thing. And she was like, no, like, all the work you do has to do with politics. And I was like, well, I will check it out, but I don't think I really want to do that. I want to do my Google internship so I can make some money, so I can make sure I have money to pay for school and for my books. That was my thing is I always made sure I use my summer to make money to really um, keep me throughout school so I don't have to work too much while I'm in school. So then, you know, I had a friend who did it, so I talked to him about it. And then I ended up being in D.C. in 2016. It was Barack Obama's last term in office. You know, all the Hillary and Trump stuff was going on. And we, my cohort in the CBCF, realized that these people, like we were literally like in eyesight of them on the floor, right? The House floor. They have the power to implement so many policies, but yet they sit here and they bicker all day. Nothing gets changed. And we come here back and forth, you know, researching policy, drafting policy for it not to be passed on the floor to even go to the Senate. So we tried to figure out, OK, in what ways can we take everything we've learned from Congress to bring it back to our communities? Because I remember doing a scholarship essay in college about gentrification. Didn't know what gentrification was, but I realized, you know, all these white folks are moving in downtown. They rising up our rent prices. It's not affordable anymore. This is not fair. This is ninth, this is not ninth grade, my freshman year of college when I realized this. Fast forward to my senior year, a name to the problem is called gentrification. So I've tried to figure out, okay, in what ways can I go back to Detroit to help with the election and help somebody else get elected? So I did all this research trying to find somebody who's going to be running for mayor, right? I couldn't find that one person who's going to be running for mayor. So I was like, well, since everybody's afraid to run against this person, I'm going to just do it myself. Because I did the research on what it takes to run for mayor and I qualified to do it. So why not just do it? I was way more, you know, rah, rah, rah back then than I am now. I've been kind of, um, you know, the, the older you get, the kind of more scared you get to do stuff. I realized, you know, kids, they don't be scared to do anything. 22-year-old Maya wasn't scared to do anything. She was like, no, we need resources right now. We got to go get it. Um, and that's, I'm a little bit still like that, but now I'm just like, you know, well, maybe I got to just chill out a little bit. But that's how I really got um, involved in running for um, office back then because nobody else was running. So I think, I'm not too sure. I believe I'm the only 
person on the ballot right now who ran last election too. I'm going to have to double check that. But the point of me saying that is because not just now, but four years ago, I realized that our community and our city needed mayoral change. And I wasn't going to wait for anybody else to make that change for me. It was if nobody else wants to do it, I have to be the one who takes that leap of faith to go out there to really make change for my people. Because if we don't do it ourselves, who is going to do it for us? And for me, it wasn't a waiting game. It's like, no, again, 22 year Maya, we need this right now. <laughs> we can't keep waiting for this change to come. So that's how I um, started running for office. What is your understanding of the duties of the office you are running for? So my understanding of the duties for running for mayor is not to control everything. People think, oh, you're going to be the mayor. You have to know every single thing. No, that is what his team is for. So the mayor appoints a lot of people to different departments, right? So you have to really know and understand who is a specialized person in that area to be able to lead that department. So you're not going to be able to, the, one person can't do every single thing. That's why, again, when I was in Congress, we had legislative aides who did education, some who did transportation. What do you specialize in? And to also, the biggest thing for the mayor, in my opinion, is to really have the vision on what you want Detroit to look like. How do you want the citizens to be impacted? And create that team to surround you to be able to carry out that vision and make it actually into action. Um, and that's going to really take someone who really wants the people of Detroit and the citizens who are currently here, the ones who are the most disproportionate ones in a city who don't really receive resources, how can we help them? How can we help us is the question. And that for me is the biggest thing for the mayor. And not only that, aside from the actual job, we have to really inspire our children and show them that again, it is possible for them to be in places of power to really impact change. Because if they don't see us there or someone like them there who's from the city, who was born, raised, and educated there, they will not believe that they can too impact change at such a young age. Are you familiar with and what is your position on the Detroiters Bill of Rights? So yes, I am familiar with the Detroiters Bill of Rights, what they want to put within the city charter in Detroit right now. <sighs> right now, it's a lot going on with that. I am for Detroiters having every single right that they should have to be able to be implemented into the city charter. I do not believe that the mayor of the city should have people on the board for the city charter commission who is trying to release the power from the people and give the power to the mayor. That is not the way government should go. The power should always be in the hands of the people. And any person who is trying to not make that happen is against democracy, in my opinion. So I believe that the Detroit Bill of Rights should be implemented because it makes sure the people keeps their power and keeps it away from being a dictatorship here in the city. What is your position on water shutoffs and water affordability in the city of Detroit? So for me, water is a human right. Honestly, water, in my opinion, should be free. There is no reason why companies like Nestle should get waters for pennies on the dollar and be able to resell it to individuals to make a profit. But yet people here in Detroit who make less than $19,000 or say $20,000 a year cannot afford water. So I've been hearing different things about a tier system or how should people get water? No, water should just be affordable, period, for every single person. Again, if it was up to me, water would be free. But again, if it was up to me again, no company, you know, we live around the biggest body of fresh water there is in the whole world. No company should have access, again, for water 
for pennies on a dollar, but yet citizens can't afford water or don't have water in their homes. That is disgraceful to me, in my opinion. What is your plan and position on abandoned properties like schools throughout the city of Detroit owned by the Land Bank Authority? So what I don't understand about all the vacancies that the city owns, first of all, is remember that a lot of these homes were stolen from black people from overtaxations um, on their houses. So that's put that out there first. Um, there is no reason why we have homelessness and we have all of these properties that can be redeveloped for people to live into. So if it was me, if I was to become mayor, one thing that I want to do is create programs that create jobs and also home ownership. Because the city has so many properties, again, Detroit was built for 2 million plus people. Right now, our um, population is less than 700,000. There should be plenty of homes for people to occupy and not just occupy, but homes that are nice, homes that are livable, that we can get, again, redeveloped. And those can be jobs from people who are from Detroit to redevelop those houses for people to live in. So for me, the land bank needs to be either totally, you know, taken away or reconstructed to where people who have had their homes stolen away from them due to overtaxation or um, property taxes, given back to them, but also given to people who can't really afford homes. Even for me right now in this housing market, it's really hard to even buy a house um, in Detroit because we are getting priced out for people who don't even live here. Um, and again, it should not be that way for Detroiters. We should be able to afford to live in nice houses that are livable and not again, have all these vacancies. There's plenty of properties to be redeveloped to create jobs and home ownership. What's your position on the repayment of residents who have been over-assessed and overpaid property taxes? So um, correct me if I'm wrong, with the over-taxation and getting people repaid who um, were over-repaid, it should not, for one, come from the taxes that we already paid. That's kind of like a double whammy, in my opinion. But the um, city just received money from the federal government, and they're trying to have a discussion right now on who should get the money and who shouldn't get the money, right? So that money that comes from the federal government for them to you know, figure out what Detroit wants to do with it, that money should go towards people who have been over-taxed and overassess on their houses. Or two, if the mayor doesn't want to use that money for that, you should lower people's property tax. If I've overpaid $20,000 on my property taxes, for the next X amount of years, that money that I overpaid should be added to my taxes right now so where I don't have to pay it until that money runs out. That's how we should do it to where people are getting repaid back on their property taxes. If the mayor doesn't want to use the money he's getting from the federal government, don't make people pay taxes until their money runs out for however much they overpaid. How would you enhance Detroit's neighborhoods and which neighborhoods would be your priority? Any specific one? So when it comes to the prioritization of neighborhoods, I don't want to say that I would give any specific neighborhood any type of priority. I think they all should create equal opportunity and equity everywhere. When we start prioritizing certain neighborhoods over certain neighborhoods, people get that, you know, why are they focusing on that area, not our area? We need to figure out it's called equity, not equality, right? If this neighborhood is um, lacking XYZ, they need XYZ. If this one needs ABC, they need ABC. We need to figure out what neighborhoods are missing and figure out how can we get those resources to that neighborhood to really get them up and running. And that's my position on it. What's your definition of police reform? Do you feel it's needed in Detroit? If so, in what ways? 
What is your position on facial recognition technology? So my position on, um, I'm sorry. (laughs) So my position on police reform and facial recognition is one, I am totally against facial recognition because we have seen studies that say that it disproportionately affects black people. It doesn't take our recognition into account. And that is not just for facial recognition. I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial when it comes to, you know, when they try to figure out automatic um, hand um, sinks because the people were white and they didn't properly, you know, figure out that our melanin is different. So until they create something that's properly and equitable when it comes to facial recognition, I am completely against it. When it comes to police reform, I believe that the people who live in this community should police the community. So I know that years ago they took stuff to law about having the residency things and whatnot. But if that's going to be uphold in law in the state, people who don't live in a city who police the city needs to have, make sure that there is community policing involved. And by community policing, what I mean is you should know the people in your neighborhood. You should be required to attend community events. You should be required to attend different activities, go to the schools, make sure the kids know you, make sure the families know you. And that way you can properly assess situations and figure out, okay, well, I know little Mike Mike, you know, has his father is not home. So he probably acting out because he missed his father. Or I know that, um, Micah might work on nights and her kids are probably home and she has a babysitter. You know, different situations to where you can figure out, you know what's going on in your neighborhood and you can properly assess it. I do too feel like that police officers are not trained to handle mental health cases. So they should properly work with other departments, whether it's a hospital or a mental health counseling office to where they can work together to figure out if a person is calling because they have a situation when it comes to a a mental breakdown, the police officer is not answering that. They're not properly equipped to de-escalate those type of situations. And in a lot of cases, we see it happening to where police officers are uh, reacting based off of their emotions. If they're not properly trained to really um, de-escalate those situations, why are they the ones being called to handle those? So we need to figure out and restructure how policing is done and remember what policing came from, from the days of slavery, and not just think that Things are going to change because we want it to change, but we're actually implementing different policies and procedures and trainings to get them actually active and involved in these different policing procedures. What do you see as the future of Detroit? So the future of Detroit, me, why not? <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> no, but seriously, um, my future vision for Detroit um I want to see my people happy um, all in all. I think we have throughout history been put in a place that we're constantly being held back, pushed back. So we're not good enough, especially in Detroit. We have so many people who come here and want to run for office, but they're not born here. They're not raised here. They're not educated here. So how can you properly tell me the proper policies to be implemented if you have not gone through what I've gone through? You have never been homeless. You've never had your water shut off. You've never been evicted. You've never had a person who's probably been in jail. The person who runs our city now has never been through 
what Detroiters have been through. So that's why when they say he hasn't done anything, did you really expect him to do what he said he was going to do if he's never experienced our experiences? And that goes for anybody who comes into a city for, you know, for urban planning, but doesn't have the proper experiences of the city or of the people who live here and don't take their input on how to really change them. So my vision for Detroit is for every Detroiter to be involved in the process of us really progressing, not just our city, but our people when it comes to mental health, housing affordability, water, every single aspect of our being should be incorporated and figured out how can we really prioritize the city and the citizens and not these corporations and not money. So that's my vision for it. And I would love for way more young people to be involved in the political process, to be in office. So you all, um, so all of our senior citizens can like retire, you know, live life, go on vacation and go to the beach, you know, being come back and enjoy the city. You know, it's our time to really put that work in. Our ancestors did it when, um, I did a lot of history or black history studies in college. It was, for the most part, a lot of times the young people who were on the ground running wanted to impact change because we knew that we wanted something different and we weren't in the, and you know, in the age range where it's like, you know, things are how they are. We got to keep living with it. No, we don't. We can really change things if we really want to change it. And it's up to us young folks to really get active and change our mindsets and figure out that we can impact change and we can make a difference right here, right now. Why should Detroiters vote for you? So Detroiters should vote for me, Maya Jones. Um, not only am I a native Detroiter, again, born educated, but my experiences being a Detroiter is what's going to set me apart from other candidates when it comes to properly implementing, implementing policies going to change our city. And not only that, is our kids will be able to see someone, again, who's from here, educated here, someone who looks like them in a the position to, again, impact change, make a difference, and show them that they, too, can do the same thing. And with that, you will see a decrease in crime. You'll, just, you'll see more jobs. You'll see more positivity because we're being shown that we actually have a positive influence in our own lives through our own people. And it's right here. It's not, you know, in Atlanta. It's not in LA. It's not in Chicago. It is right here in Detroit.